0: or whatever venue it is, but we want to welcome everyone that's joining us by live stream this morning. Um, we're going to have a great word from the Lord. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, brother. How many of you know any word from the Lord's a good one? I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to uh, give you the wrong idea earlier when I said, we're going to have a word that's going to Step on your toes, so to speak. Let me tell you something. The best word I've ever gotten made my toes hurt. You know why? Because it made me change. Amen. God corrects those he uh, loves. He must because he's corrected me a lot over the last 25 years. Amen. So uh, let's open our Bibles this morning to uh, Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. And, uh, of course, for those who haven't been here, uh, we've been learning the past couple of Sundays about overcoming the trials of life. How many of you would like to know all the secrets to overcoming every trial that comes your way? Amen. Some of you don't care, you know, I mean, but I I like to be an overcomer. Matter of fact, I'm a poor loser. Amen. Amen. So I like to win every battle. Amen? Amen. Uh, And some of the trials that come our way may be due to health issues. Some of our trials may be due to maybe financial issues. Some of our trials may be due to relationships and maybe not treating each other the way that God wants us to treat each other. And then some of our issues may be or our trials may be just unexpected things that happen in our daily lives and that really that category can go on forever I talked to my mom this morning she says well you know I did this I do that and I said well, mom as Christians we just all need to fill in the blank because our my trials aren't going to be the same well the same trials that you have and the trials you have are not going to be the trials that I have how many of you know that amen and all of these various trials can affect our attitudes if we allow them to how many of you would agree with that that your attitude can be affected by what goes on around you so this morning i want us to spend the next few moments and then after this short teaching we're going to take communion today right Okay. okay it's all ready hallelujah glory to god Oh, praise the Lord. (laughs) I want to spend the next few moments talking about our attitude. Amen? And the importance of maintaining a Christ-like, everybody say Christ-like, Christ-like attitude. Uh, The title of this message this morning is uh, The Christian Attitude Adjustment. See, all of us at some time or another in our lives have needed to adjust our attitude. Amen. Like when we're expecting things to happen a certain way, and, uh, and they don't. Amen. Uh, these are just a few examples of what I'm talking about that come to my mind, and I'm going to use the ones that I've, I've experienced. Amen. Like when you get out of bed in the morning, still half asleep, And you stub your toe on that piece of furniture that you've walked past for years and years and years. Just because maybe somebody moved it just a little bit when they were vacuuming. How many of you know that can affect your attitude? Yeah, the ones laughing are agreeing. (laughs) Been there, done that, Pastor. Or like when you jump in your car, expecting to start it up when you turn that key and just drive on off to work and the battery's dead. Or when you get halfway to work and have a flat tire. Or you work all day. It's late. And you're tired. And you want to get home to relax. And you hit a deer. It keeps you on the side of the road for a while. Yes, every one of these can happen. And yes, they are all trials in our lives and yes they can affect our attitude if we let them can i get a witness how about someone cutting you off in traffic i am hitting home how about sitting in stop and go traffic for miles upon miles upon miles upon miles just to find out that the traffic was caused by an accident on the other side of the freeway everybody say god bless the rubberneckers with blinders that keeps their eyes straight ahead amen gotta love the rubberneckers how about you getting behind that person driving 35 and 40 and a 60 and there's no passing zone for 10 miles And then when you do get to find the only passing zone, there's cars coming your way and you can't pass. So you got to follow them another 10 miles. Mm Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Here's one. How about when that friend or that family member, how about when they say or do something and it just rubs you the wrong way? I mean, we really don't get mad but it does bother us. Brothers and sisters, it's been my my experience that when things tend to bother me, it does tend to affect my attitude, not only toward that person, but it puts me in that mood to where uh, even those that come around me, if I don't check my attitude and I don't check my behavior, that I will portray that attitude to others. I've been around people that you can feel that they had problems when they walked in the door. How I many of you know what I'm talking about? And it tends to, uh, we, we say the air gets gets thick with the uh, bitterness or with the disgust that they bring in the room with them. I'm not judging that. I'm just saying it happens. The point I'm endeavoring to make that just because someone treats us bad that we don't return evil for evil how many of you know two wrongs don't make a right see my behavior that's affected by what's going on around me needs to be godlike and I need to walk in unconditional love I need to walk in forgiveness toward those folks amen and vice versa but I can't control your life I can only control mine everybody say that's true I mean you know Jason can only control his life he cannot control Sarah's behavior amen Joe cannot control his wife's behavior Miss Debbie's behavior and she can't Bob sure can't control his Hey, hey, that's what you get for sitting on the front row. Right. Hallelujah. Glory. Don't move, guys. I love y'all sitting there. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> you know, and as much as I've tried to in the past, even when Miss Brenda and I may have, uh, uh, he uh, you know, loud fellowship or something, and I've tried in the past when my behavior was really, really bad, I try to justify it by saying, well, if she didn't do that, I wouldn't be this way. Well, how many of you know she didn't cause me to be that way? I have a choice. I have a choice on how I behave. Amen. Mm, but I will. I have. I'm not going to. I'm not going to say I'm, I will. <laughs> I, but I have in the past tried to en- endeavor to uh, in- justify my bad behavior. Amen. Let me share this with you, and this is really the point I want to make, is when our trials of life do come, because they're coming, our attitude in that trial is the vital key to us overcoming that trial. I told you last week, if you don't overcome your trial, the devil will bring that trial back to you. I'm not saying I'm calling anybody's spouse the devil. See, the devil, uh, somebody might say something, Or somebody may do something to me, but it's the devil that takes that thought and twists it. They may not have meant that at all. Amen. That's why I tell people, quit sending messages on just text. Text has no personality. It's just words. And then you leave it up to the person reading those words to whether that person's going to have a bad attitude or a good attitude about it. What happened to the old fashioned dial? I'd love to have the dial phones come back where you ha, had to get on the phone and talk to somebody. Amen. That's just me. Yeah, we talked about that, I believe, the other night, man. Up. I was on a party line, too. And that, that'll check your attitude, too, buddy. One of them old hags is going to get off that phone so I can make a call. Back when I was on a party line, I was 17 years old. So anybody over 21 was an old hag or an old man <laughs> amen i don't know why i went there but i did so what does the bible say about our christian attitude look at this in philippians chapter 1 verse 27 philippians chapter 1 verse 27 says only let your what conduct it on the board yeah only let your conduct which is really if you look that up it's your attitudes and your behavior only let your conduct your attitude and your behavior be worthy of the gospel of christ so that whether i come and see you or am absent i may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now, I don't. I don't let me bring out to you what Paul's trying to say. He's telling them in the, at the church of Philippi, talking to the born again Christians. He says, "Whether I'm standing there with you or not. See how many of you know when when your brothers and sisters are around you, you're gonna be you're gonna be all religious and you're gonna be a uh, you know." You're not going to say or do anything wrong. You're going to be acting right. That's what he's saying here. Just because I'm not there with you, he says, even if I'm not, your attitude and your behavior ought to be Christ-like. We need to notice that this was Brother Paul writing from a prison cell in Rome, and he's telling people uh, that it's important. To be a born again Christian that it's important that born again Christians have a different attitude and a different behavioral pattern than everybody else in the world can I get an amen my attitude needs to reflect the body uh, the body of Christ or Christ Jesus I need to get away from letting the world control my attitudes can I get an amen to that He said, whether I come to see you or not, stand fast on the word of God. Now watch this. Whatever happens, everybody say, whatever happens. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. In other words, no matter what unexpected trial the devil may send you away, no matter what kind of persecution that you're going to go through or you may experience because Jesus said you'll be persecuted just like he was, right? No matter what kind of difficulties or circumstances that you have to overcome, uh, those who profess to be a Christian, how many of those people do we have in here? Four. No. Every, anybody that's professing to be a, a Christian needs to raise your hand right now so Jesus can see that you love him. Amen. It says, Those who profess to be a Christian are to respond with a Christ like attitude. Mm hmm. Getting a little bit quieter in God's house. In other words, if we're going to call ourselves Christians, we ought to act like Christ. How many would you say that's a true statement? If you're going to call yourself a Christian, and a follower of Christ, don't you think you ought to do what Jesus would do? Amen. 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 Hmm. Look at this in Philippians chapter two. You'll know, look at the monitor on this, and and I'm going to be using the amplified a lot uh, in with the coming um, scriptures that I'm going to give. So, <clears throat> if you can go to just write them down. But look at the monitors in, in, in Philippians chapter two. Verse number five, Paul goes on to say, Let this same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. Isn't that amazing? It says, Let him, talking about Jesus, let him be your example in humility. Notice Paul says to have the same attitude the same purpose and the same humble spirit that jesus has no matter you see no matter what jesus went through no matter what tests jesus faced no matter what trials the devil sent his way no matter no matter what satan tried to tempt jesus with jesus always had a right attitude amen he maintained a godly attitude how did he do it pastor well i'm glad you asked five things jesus did to maintain a godly attitude number one he prayed about everything and worried about nothing he prayed about everything and worried about nothing you see worry my brothers and sisters can affect our attitude so we too should do what pray about everything and worry about nothing amen i, I give you permission to remind your spouse or your uh, anybody in your life your pastor if you find me worrying to remind me of this saying amen pray about everything and worry about nothing Amen. How many of you would agree that if God is leading you, there's no really no need to worry? If your steps are really ordered of the Lord, there's no need to have worry there. And anybody that is worrying, including myself, we're walking outside the steps that Jesus has already ordered for us. Amen. Number two, when Jesus faced trials or persecution, this is important, he never became prideful, nor did he ever become defensive. We have a saying. What are you getting so defensive about? I'm not. (laughs) Yeah, uh uh-huh. Behavior tells the truth, right? He never became prideful or defensive. Why? Because his goal was to always please his heavenly father. Look at this in John, chapter number 6, verse number 38. Again, this is the Amplified. John 6, 38, and this, and what I'm about to describe to you was Jesus' attitude about his life. He says, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will and purpose, but to do the will and the purpose of him who sent me hallelujah that's right i want you to notice that jesus was selfless he was selfless it was never about him it was always about pleasing god his father amen yours and my life needs to be dedicated to not our will and what we want but well, our will, uh, our, our will needs to be changed into God's will, or better yet, my the purpose of my life needs to be pleasing Him. Amen. We, let me just share that you'd stay out of a whole lot of conflicts with other people if you just try to please your Father. Mind your own business. Amen. Work out your own salvation. The Bible says, Amen. That means. Try to please God, not yourself. Amen? Well, my opinion is important. To who? Well, to me. Well, then keep it to yourself. All I've got to say about that. Jesus was selfless. Number three, in the midst of his trials, Jesus was patient and kind. He was patient and kind. I don't need to say anything else about that. In the midst of all of his suffering, he was forgiving. He said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do, didn't he? Amen. And number five, even in the midst of all of the persecution and the verbal abuse and the hostilities toward him, he held his peace. And he never, ever retaliated. He never had an attitude of retaliation. Instead, he entrusted himself to God. In all those situations that we come across in our lives, guys, we need to entrust ourselves to God. God says, vengeance is mine. If vengeance is him, why would I want to take it from him? Why would I want to get back at somebody who persecutes me? Why are you telling me all this, Pastor? Because persecution is coming. We're living in a world that hates you. They hate you because you love him. Amen. Didn't the Bible say that would happen? It said in the last days, they will not only persecute you, but they'll kill you because you love the king of kings. I I thank God that he's going to rapture us before we see much of that happening, but it's already happening in other countries, isn't it? Praise God for the United States of America. Even as bad as it is right now in our country, we don't we don't get our head chopped off if we mention the name of Jesus. You know something? And those folks over there in those foreign countries, they're not closet Christians. Because they know if they get their head chopped off, they'll be with Jesus. Amen. I just wonder how many churches are full of people that if somebody came in there with a... With a guillotine said if you don't deny Christ I'm going to chop your head off. How many people would walk out the door get in their car and go home? Not judging. I'm just saying. We need to be bold for Christ. Amen. He held his peace. Notice what it says here in 1 Peter 2.23. And again just look at the screen. 1 Peter 2.23, it says when he was reviled and insulted, he did not revile or offer insult in return. I could stop right there and preach another message. I see Christians all the time fussing and fighting with one another because they're insisting that they're, they're always right and the other person's always wrong. Let me tell you something. I've said this before, and I'm going to reiterate it. When you are in a conflict or an argument with somebody else, you're both wrong. Because you're not doing exactly what the Word of God says. You're not being Christ-like. You're not having a Christ-like attitude. If you're not having a Christ-like attitude, you're wrong. Period. I know a lot of people don't like to hear that. But it's the truth. We need to start loving one another. We need to start forgiving before people do something to us. Amen. When he was reviled and insulted, he did not revile or offer insult in return. When he was abused and suffered, he made no threats of vengeance, but he trusted himself and everything to him who judges fairly. In other words, with even with everything Jesus had to endure for you and for me, he always maintained an attitude of unconditional love. Amen. He also He also maintained an attitude of unforg- uh, unconditional forgiveness. He didn't make everybody grovel and crawl to him for him to forgive them. He said, forgive them, Father, because they just don't even know what they're doing. They're acting out of ignorance. Let me tell you something. Anybody who gets in an argument with another person is acting out of ignorance. I told you it's going to be a tough message. We're going to be different. Let me go over here and see if I can get a little better response over here. (laughs) We're going to be different, are we? Amen. Amen. This side's going to be different amen you know what the word amen means so be it under me amen i'm not trying to get you just to give me accolades or something i mean i'm trying to get you to say that's what i want i may not be that now but that's what i want in my life i'm a work in progress but i know until i get this word of god on the inside of my heart and i start living it i'm not going to change and I'm going to quit trying to change the other person. Then I'm going to work on me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We as followers of Christ are to have the same attitude and behaviors that Jesus had. We ought to have an attitude that loves unconditionally. We ought to have an attitude that forgives everyone unconditionally. Can you say amen to that? If not, I'll go back and read that page again. Amen. All right, let's turn back to Philippians chapter 2. And I want you to notice what else God's word has to say about our attitude. Philippians chapter 2, you may already be there, but I'm going to do the amplified. Uh, verses three through five says, "Do nothing from factional motives." I looked up that word factional. That means motives that cause division. Don't do anything to, to try to keep division going. Don't do do nothing from factional motives through contentious strife. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, through contentiousness or strife, or selfishness, look at that, or unworthy ends, or prompted by conceit and empty arrogance. Instead, in the true spirit of humility or lowliness of mind, let each of us regard the others as better than uh, and superior to himself. Isn't that something? That I ought to be regarding you as greater than me. That I ought to be regarding your feelings and your well, your life as as better. The, the, what can I do to make you happy? Amen? If people who get into heated fellowship would just say, you know, it ain't about me. What can I do to make you happy? Amen. What can I do to make her happy? I want to make her happy. Now, if it... If, 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 as long as uh, what they want, you're the the other one in the heated fellowship with you, don't want you to do something that contradicts the word of God, then hey, that's what we ought to be doing in the first place. Gonna get an amen? Amen. Don't do anything prompted by conceit, but in the true spirit of lowliness of mind, let each regard the others as better than and superior to themselves, thinking more highly of one another than you do for yourself. Everybody like that? Guess what? He's not done. Look at verse 4. Let each of you esteem and look upon and be concerned, not merely with his own interest or her own interests, but also each for the interest of others. Now watch this. I read this one before. Let the same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. Let again, let him be our example. Amen. Now, no, notice in these passages, Paul summarizes uh, Jesus' attitude as one of selflessness, not selfishness. His attitude was one of humility. With no pride, his attitude was always one of service to other people. How many of you know Jesus came to serve? Amen. Now I realize that transforming our lives, transforming ourselves to have a Christ-like attitude and to be humble, to be uh, selfless, And always think of others. I know, I realize that that's a hard transformation for some of us to make. Because it don't come naturally. I mean, after all, think about it. We were born into a self-seeking, self-gratifying world. And that's what our society throws in front of our faces all day long. What can satisfy you? What can gratify you? I mean, when they start having... A magazine that comes out, and they say uh, the 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 magazine is called People Magazine or Us. Amen. That always is uh, wanting you to gratify your flesh. You see it on TV and all your commercials that you see on TV. It's all about self gratification. And we wonder why we act that way. Well, I'm going to tell you why we act that way sometimes. Because we spend more time on that boob or on Facebook or on uh, other social media outlets than we do in the Bible. And God says the only way you're going to have a Christ attitude is you got to know what Christ attitude is. Hallelujah to Jesus. Glory to God. So need to catch up. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> How many of you know we can do all things through Christ? So don't come to me and say, well, I know what you're saying is true, Pastor, but it's hard. But getting your word, and it'll get a lot easier. Amen. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Philippians 4.13, and this is the scripture I gave you, it says that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, don't it? We also know that Christ, or well maybe you don't, but I mean to just inform you, Christ is not Jesus' last name. How many of you know that? It's the anointed one. Amen. But in all reality, the word Christ is actually the living word of God. John one 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, don't it? Amen, if you don't know it, just write it down. Then in verse 14, he says this, and the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Amen. So Christ is the living word. So to adjust my attitude and for you to adjust your attitude to be more like Jesus's attitude, our attitude must reflect the word of God. Man, that's so simple, Pastor. I'm glad you agree. The Bible is simple, guys. The only reason that makes the Bible hard for people is they don't do it. See, reading, it's easy. But reading and doing takes work. How many of you know that? Amen. The rest of you will know it when you start doing it. You'll find it's a whole lot easier to read the scriptures and go to church on Sundays than it is to live for Christ out there in this world. Glory to God. Ooh, got a lot of lead balloons falling, hitting the floor near the door. The word of God is very logical. You know, some Christians, and I'm not being critical, but some Christians try way too hard to interpret the Bible. How many of you know the word interprets only in the Bible two times? And in both times, it was talking about prophecy. We are not to interpret God's word. Amen. I've had people say, well, you know, it's all how you interpret the Bible, Pastor. No, it ain't. Quit the interpreting. Just obey it. Just be a doer of the word. We're trying to justify your negligence to be a doer of the word. We just need to read it. And then when it says something on the scripture, we need to need to do it. You need to make a commitment to your God. I've already made one to my God and Jesus Christ that when he shows me something in the word, then I'm going to be a doer of that word. And I've said that probably at least five times over the last six or eight weeks. In every message, I'll say that same thing. How many of you have done it? Two. Two. You need to make a covenant with God that when God shows you something in his word, you'll do it. That's the only, brothers and sisters, I'm not fussing at you, but I'm telling you, that's the only thing that's going to change anything in your life. We've all said this, that until you change something, change what you're doing now, you're not going to get any different results. If you want different results in your life, If you want to change your attitude from a society attitude to a Christ-like attitude, you got to change uh, ownership. Hallelujah. Uh, There's two things. I'm I'm trying to get back on my notes, God. The Holy Ghost has just taken over, and I'm just going to have to go with it. Amen? There's two things that will help us with our attitude. Number one. It's a no-brainer. Put away selfish behavior. Put away selfish behavior. In other words, quit just living for you. And get rid of that it's all about me and my feelings and what I want attitude. What I think. The way I believe you ought to be acting. The way the world ought to be acting. What will make me happy. Look at this in Ephesians chapter 4. This talks about getting rid of uh, that old attitude. Philippians chapter 4, the Amplified says, Strip yourselves of your former, former nature. Put off. Everybody say, put off. Put off and discard. That means throw it away, leave it in the trash. Put off and discard your old, unrenewed self which characterized your previous manner of life, that's your attitude and behavior, and becomes corrupt through the lusts and through the desires that spring from delusion. I mean, you know, if you just keep running after the things of this world, you're delusional. Those things are temporal as well. So make some some, uh, quality decisions in your lives, guys. It says uh, in other words quit lusting and and seeking after what pleases you and turn your attention towards seeking god and pleasing him look at verse 24 and put on everybody say put on and put on the new nature that's the new attitude the new behavior patterns the regenerate self created in god's image it's godlike in true righteousness and holiness you need to underline circle whatever your bible says in that scripture you need to do that amen be a doer of the word so again the word is very very easy to understand that we are to put off our old self our unregenerated and unrenewed self with those old attitudes of selfishness And we are to put on our new regenerated self, having an attitude of of selflessness. Let me say that again. Having an attitude of selflessness instead of selfishness. Amen? Well, how do we do that, preacher? Look at verse number 23. God's got an answer for everything. How many of you know that? He just, the Holy Ghost just said, yeah, but it ain't the answer to everyone if they don't do it. It's not your answer if you ain't willing to do it. Verse 23, and be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude. Notice it says be constantly renewed. In the spirit of your mind. In other words, we are to constantly be renewing our mind to the Word of God to that point where it lines up perfectly with God's Word. Amen. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something the day you start lining your attitude and your behavior. And start li- uh, uh, lining up your mind. Uh, uh, that's what I want to say. You Start lining up your mind with God's word. That's the day that he can start really working on your attitude. Every situation that we come in contact with from this point on, I want you to think of these scriptures. And always adjust your attitude to line up with the word of God. The second thing we can do to help to have a christ-like attitude and y'all gonna have to listen quicker so good y'all getting me way behind <clears throat> is walk in love walk in love with who if i say everybody and make sure it's the god kind of love amen turn to first corinthians chapter 13 or just write it down i gotta hurry now verse 4 through 8 describes the christ-like love attitude we are to have but i'm actually going to start reading in verse number three amen and as i go through these scriptures as i tell you many many times evaluate yourself ask yourself am i doing what pastor's saying amen amen even if i dole out all that i have to the poor in providing food and if i surrender my body to be burned or in order that i may glory but have not love god's love in me i gain nothing now watch this love endures long love endures long and is patient and kind love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy it is not boastful or vainglorious. It does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited. It is not arrogant or inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful. Or resentful it takes what no account it takes no account of the evil done to it and it pays no attention to a suffered wrong it does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness but rejoices when right and truth prevail love bears up under anything and everything that comes is ever ready to believe the best of every person Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Verse number 8, love never fails. It never fades out or becomes obsolete and never comes to an end. My brothers and sisters, in the midst of every trial, where people don't act the way you think they ought to act, or they don't say what you think they ought to be saying, our attitude in those trials will change if we let it. But when we learn to walk in love, the unconditional love of God, God walks with us, and he'll make every situation right. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. Now, how many of you are still loving me? Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I'm done. Get your feet off the floor. I'm not going to step on your toes anymore. Guys, we've got to get this right. God expects us to grow up and mature. Amen. Too many baby Christians walk around and get offended every time you say something. How many of you know that? All right. Well, we're going to take communion. So, ushers, if you would, come, go ahead and start getting the elements and start passing those elements out, please. Praise God. And, uh, you know, even though I want us to take communion this morning, uh, communion this morning is not just going to be about remembering what Jesus did for you. It's going to be about this message you heard this morning. And remembering this message after you go through those doors to go home. Because communion is very, very serious, yes, but it means nothing if we're not being doers of God's word. Amen. <sighs> we all need to remember. What we've learned here today that when the trials of life do come or when we find ourselves being persecuted by society or even when life just doesn't turn out the way we think it ought to when we find ourselves in the midst of any situation that tests us we need to display a christian attitude are you with me amen now before we take communion together I want to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27. This is very, very important. It's very serious. God is very serious. It's not just about taking, eating a cracker and drinking some juice. Amen. He says in verse uh, number 27, chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians, he says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself. Brother Bud. Okay, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I want a cracker too. (laughs) Says, but let him examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and uh drink of the cup for he who eats and drinks in a manner uh eats and drinks judgment to himself oh in an unworthy manner drinks judgment to himself not discerning the lord's body there's three things my brothers and sisters that i want to bring out that constitutes uh, taking communion in an unworthy manner. Number one, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Number two, once you accepted Christ uh, in your life, but, you, but now you're not living for him, you're, you're uh, wanting to come back to him, but you've been living in a backslidden state, and you need to rededicate your life to him. Number three, you're saved, but you still have unconfessed sin in your life. And you need to ask god to forgive you of that sin if any of these if any of these three things describes you your, your present state of being i want you to pray this prayer let's all stand and pray to this prayer together with every head bowed and every eye closed pray this prayer with me heavenly father i believe jesus christ He's your only begotten son I believe he died for my sin and right now he's in heaven with you Jesus Christ come into my heart change me from the inside out including my attitudes and my behavior I give you all praise in your present name in your precious name amen and amen hallelujah now you're good to take communion, praise God. If you, if you didn't pray that prayer, and you still got sin in your life, I would ask that you don't take communion today, okay? That's why I read that to you. It's not, this is not just about eating a cracker and taking juice. Amen. Now, let me read from chapter 11, verse 23 to 26. It says, and this is Paul talking. He says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, hallelujah, that's that's what we're doing, right? Amen. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Go ahead and eat the bread. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your broken body. Thank you for taking the stripes that were meant for me. Thank you for the death that was meant for me, that I can live and live with you in eternity forever. It says in verse 25, it says, In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup, excuse me, is the renewed covenant in my blood. And he said, this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, drink the cup. Hallelujah. For as often as you eat the bread... And drink this cup you proclaim the lord's death till he comes thank you jesus let's pray heavenly father thank you for sending your son to die and take away the sins of all those who will believe and confess his name thank you jesus for laying down your body and shedding your blood so that all of us who believe can be with you and live with you not only in this life but live with you throughout eternity. I thank you that you came to give us life and give it to us more abundantly, Lord. And I or we as the body of Christ at Hill Country Cowboy Church Will always remember and be eternally grateful for your sacrifice in your name we pray and everybody said amen if you would pass your cups to the middle aisle please hallelujah glory to god the last thing we normally profess before we leave is what that we serve who we serve a miracle working god And you're always next in line for your miracle. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord.